listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 63 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast, where we can only help you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Son Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our guest tonight is a recipient of the Inkpot Award for Lifetime Achievement in Comics. Following nearly 15 years as an editor at DC Comics, he transitioned to a writing career and very quickly positioned himself as a fan favorite. He's a New York Times bestselling author, known best for his work on many of the highest rated and bestselling comic titles, series, and crossovers in DC Comics histories, including Batman and Robin, Green Lantern Corps, Black Adam, and Nightwing. He has written numerous original graphic novels, including House of Penance, Light Brigade, The Mighty, and The Bridge. His own adapted script for The Bridge made the blacklist and wrote the screen. And he also wrote the screenplay for the DC Universe animated film from 2018, The Death of Superman. Peter Tomasi, welcome to Cinemental. Glad to be here. How are you doing today? <laughs> We're good, Peter. And I'm, oh, glad, wow. to, and I'm glad you're good as well. Good, um, good. And I know, it's, uh, I know it's late, so we're going to jump right in and suffer from consumption. All right. All right. So, uh, Peter, what did you watch this week? Anything? Let's see. I watched Soul actually yesterday. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. Pretty great. I wish there was something. You know, they they had they there's a there's a talking cat in it. <laughs> but um, I always I, I want to see. I like. Oh, I love the Incredibles. I love all Pixar stuff. I love all their shorts. I love all their films. I know. But when I watched Soul, there was a part of me that I still loved it. But I wish I was like, man, I wish they didn't have the cat in it. It's like I just something. I wish it was because it, it skewed so adult that um i felt like you know the cat was obviously that hey kids <laughs> we're going to try to relate to you also right and, and have this cat in um but it but it was still really good jamie fox did great voice work actually all the actors did some really nice voice work so that was really good uh, you know the soundtracks by uh trent Reznor and atticus yeah. ross yeah i saw that yeah that looks that yeah, was pretty great it's a great uh, soundtrack I've, I've listened to the soundtrack <laughs> yeah um, I did watch News of the World, okay. um, and that girl was really good too. That who played uh, the one that Tom Hanks had, you know, had to get back to the, uh, or I don't want to give anything away, but let's let's just say he tried to get this girl back to her people, and right things, things don't go the way they planned. Um, <laughs> things go awry. Oh, watched Godfather Coda. Oh, how was that? Being a Godfather nut. I don't really, I mean, it, it seemed like a cash grab in the end where it really did seem like there was no, I mean, is that the lesser of all the three movies? Yes, it is, of course. But it's funny watching it again after so many years, you realize it, it, it still wasn't, it wasn't a bad film. And Andy Garcia is freaking awesome in it. <laughs> he's just so, even though sometimes he, he get, he's just turns the volume up to 11 a lot. It, he, it, <laughs> 
it fits the role, but he's so magnetic in it. And Pacino's really good in it. And the beginning is 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 edited in such a way that has a lot more clarity to the story if if you if you know if you have trouble paying attention to things like the first time they cut it. I thought the ending just doesn't work for me because I just felt I mean they've talked about it. I mean it's called the death of Michael Corleone. Yeah. <laughs> and the Godfather, the original cut, he dies. He dies. And now there's it's a death they've changed it now to the death of Michael Corleone. And then, but he doesn't die. But it's but it's death in its own, you know, in its own horrible way of living, living forever to bury everyone you care about. Sort of, I think, the way they envision it. But it's just uh, oh, the cutting so doesn't work. Right it's too quick when you watch it. There's there's it just you have to watch. If you're really if you're a Godfather nut, I don't think you I don't think you'll dig it. But it was fun to see it after all those years um, and see just the. But it's very minor. The cuts are minor. A lot of news, obviously, with everything that's been going on. <laughs> watched some of the inauguration today. And I watched something else the other night, too. What was on Amazon? I watched... Oh, I've been watching these two shows on Amazon. One, oh, I'm sorry, on Netflix. Sam... No, not Sam Stone. I forgot. The, there's, a, there's these two great interview shows, which I just stumbled upon. One's called Hollywood Masters. And another one is um, Sam something... And it's just this photographer for the stars, but he just, he has them sit with him and they talk. And then the, the conversations are really good. They really, they're very at ease, the stars, and they, and they get into a lot of stuff that's, you know, they're not going to get on with Jay Leno and you know, right. that kind of nonsense. And they, they seem to really connect to these guys, to the, each of the interviewers. So some really good stuff. I mean, there was an Amy, Amy Adams one. Um, with Hollywood Masters, with this, um, and it's for the school uh, Loyola, Loyola in Hollywood or something. But she's she's great. I mean, you just all of a sudden it was like I was like I don't want to know if I want to watch an Emmy Adams one for an hour, and it was you know she was magnetic. It was great. And oh wow! Okay. Fonda, Clint Eastwood, you know Chris Pine. Just the the list goes on and on. You really like you go through. You're like Jesus. And then the good thing on the Hollywood Masters one, they had a lot of um, behind the scenes guys, a ton of producers. Uh, from Bruckheimer to uh, oh wow, just a bunch of different guys that you wouldn't you know never really ever think about interviewing, and they had uh, uh, some really good guys on it. Um, yeah, that's about it. A lot of writing, trying to get a lot of writing done, so I wasn't watching too much TV. There may have been one or two in there. Sometimes, like I have to, so I'm looking at my phone. I'm thinking like my old brain trying to remember. Oh, I watched Mank. Oh, the the Fincher flick. Um, if you're a film buff, you'll love it. I loved it. And yeah. then, and then the other part of me thinks like, I don't know how he got this made. <laughs> and, but he's David Fincher. <laughs> he's David Fincher. Um, Oldman's great. And, uh, so, but it was, uh, I really, I, I loved it. It was great. Just yeah. that old Hollywood stuff. Yep. Yeah. I'm scanning through the recent stuff and I think, I think that may have been it. Yeah. What about you? What have you been watching? So uh, I have uh, these guys usually usually laugh at uh, my my consumption list. But uh, so over the course of the last week, I've watched uh, 21 films and about <laughs> uh, eight documentaries. Jeez. OK, uh, so uh, I'm just going to hit the highlights because most of it, honestly, is like like, for example, like I mean, like last. I don't know, I can't remember if it was Thursday or Friday. 
probably probably Thursday was right after the, the last show. Um, I just put on action films and I just started watching. Like I spent a whole day just watching action films, you know. So I watched like uh, Den of Thieves, which is uh, 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 Bernard or, or uh, Gerard Butler uh, action shoot 'em up, and then uh, Mark Wahlberg, Peter Berg film called Mile Twenty Two. Um, but it's got my new favorite guy, uh, Eco UIs in it. So, uh, I was kind of jacked to watch that. And then I watched both, uh, both movies of a, of a series called the debt collector with Scott Atkins and, uh, and, uh, and Louis Mandalore. Okay. Uh, which were both, you know, just silly, but you know, kind of, kind of humorous. Uh, and then I watched, a, a one of these direct to direct to streaming Bruce Willis films called acts of violence with, uh, with with the always the always interesting Cole Hauser, uh, was Bruce uh, in it actually, or was he like he is? He is. He's got about uh, eleven minutes of screen time total. You know, all told, <laughs> you know, go. he does his. You know, he shows up for his couple of days, and they they sprinkle him. they sprinkle him throughout the film. You know, to keep right. his to keep the story consistent. Um, and then uh, I realized uh, like Friday night that uh, I had never seen Gothica. The yeah, Halle, the Halle Berry and the, yeah. and the Asylum movie. So we watched yeah. that. How was that? How was that? Uh, it was uh, interesting. Um, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it was. Uh, I, I'm not going to say I guess the twist, but I mean I didn't. But yeah. uh, it's uh, you know it still has sort of a paranormal esque feel to it. So you know, ele- element. Yeah. So, so um, okay. I watched. Uh, I watched the first film uh, by a really a director who I really like uh, Gareth Evans. His first film was called Maranto. Uh, it's an Indonesian uh, kind of coming of age film where a guy leaves his village and, and goes to the big city. This is a, this is the, one of the first films with uh, a guy I mentioned before, Eco Uwise, uh, who is Gareth Evans has been primary in showcasing a particular Indonesian <clears throat> uh, martial art called Silat. And so he did. Uh, he also directed the Raid Redemption and the Raid Two, um, and I rewatched the Raid Redemption uh, just because I fucking love that movie. So I read an article or late last year or middle <laughs> of last year. Uh, hard to tell anymore. That said that Up the Creek may have been the funniest film of the '80s, and no one realized it. So I I, I downloaded and went back and watched Up the Creek. You're such a glutton for punishment, aren't you? And, yeah, and and it's it's not the funniest film, by the way. Just in case you were curious. Oh, shocking! <laughs> yeah, watched a couple of documentaries. One about direct-to-video VHS horror films of the '90s, which was uh, a lot of fun. Watched a really interesting uh, documentary about Atari. Uh, yeah, start start yeah. to finish. That was really good. There's there's a couple of them out there that touch on one. This one seemed to cover the most I've seen in one documentary just about Atari, which so it was really interesting to watch. What was the name of that? Uh, I'll get you the name. I think it's... Uh... It's Atari spelled backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Irata. <laughs> and then I watched... Uh, on Saturday, we watched a bunch of uh, a bunch of horror films. One tremendously terrible, I won't even mention by name. Then two good ones, uh, one really good one called Sea Fever and uh, another and then that the Blumhouse film that came out that got suspended and then came out like eight months late oh, that right. The Hunt. Yeah. How was The Hunt? Was that good? Uh, it was surprisingly funny. 
okay. it was real, and, and I understand why it they it. held it up and the reason why, and especially watching it now, post Trump. <laughs> Right. Uh, I, I think I think it'll find a new home of yeah. people watching it. The, the 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 dialogue and the setups in the movie are really, really great. And the, and the big reveal on the big bad of the movie is fantastic. Oh, okay. if, if you don't know that, if you don't know the twist already, it's it's really good. Okay. And I watched an absolutely amazing documentary on John Belushi called just called Belushi. Oh, yeah. Right. I saw that, too. Yeah. It just it's all done with audio recordings done with people who knew him. And then, and it's done over these animated sequences and yeah, stock footage great. and and old photos and stuff like that. A lot of them, a lot of them came from his widow. Um, there's a lot of really good uh, interview material in there from people who are no longer with us. There's Carrie, there's Carrie Fisher interviews. There's Harold Ramis interviews. So clearly, this guy had been working on this for a long time. It's it's really fantastic. It's a really really deep look into John and kind of his world. It's it's pretty clean. I think everyone knows the dirty side of of, of the John Belushi story. It's not something we need our faces rubbed in anymore. No. It's it's definitely more of a celebration, but it's uh it, it's not it's not uh you know it's not uh, whitewashed by any any stretch of the imagination. It's not uh, you know super clean. It's not the queen. It's not the the Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, exactly. Basically. It's not it's not the scrubbed <laughs> version. Well, actually, you know what? Yeah. Everybody keeps saying it, and like there was all wasn't enough of of his gay life, and there wasn't enough. Uh, you know, having watched it and knowing, I mean, it seemed there was a plenty. There was plenty of it. I mean, the 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 they 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 showed a lot of it. I mean, I don't know how much you'd want people wanted to be like rubbed in their faces as a, as a kind of a biopic. But I mean, I thought they touched upon, I mean, basically showed it was his downfall. I mean, until he rose back up again, you know I mean? Yeah. He showed him get buried in it and get drugged out completely until, you know, he, he woke up and uh, yeah. So I'm, I was always shocked to be like, like reading reviews, you know, they, they it scrubbed clean and I'm watching it. And I'm going, and I'm watching it with my younger teenager. I'm like, this wasn't really scrubbed that clean. <laughs> so, <laughs> I actually ended up watching a Queen documentary called The Show Must Go On, the Queen and Adam Lambert story, which was, oh, okay. which was really interesting because I don't really have any warm spot in my heart for Adam Lambert. But I really have to say that it was this is a really interesting watch yeah. uh, to watch this to watch this documentary about how they came across each other and the relationship that grew out of it. And and as it turns out, in Bohemian Rhapsody, the scene where he's on the phone talking to his wife and right. the the trucker walks by and goes into the bathroom. Oh, is that Adam Lambert? That's Adam Lambert. <laughs> total total unknown cameo, oh, which cool. I thought was very funny. And then uh, uh, I watched uh, uh, yesterday and and or Monday I watched a series of bad eighties sci fi sort of alien attack movies. Uh, the Rutger Hauer Split Second, and mm. uh, a movie from like nineteen seventy eight called The Being, which is terrible. And uh, and another one, which I've always wanted to see, it was originally done in 3D. It was called Parasite. And uh, oh, it, it, it was so bad, but it, uh, it's got to, it's got to me more in like one of her first roles. Oh, so she was like uh, really, really funny to see her so young uh, and then watch the movies for the show. And then I watched. Hey, hey, hey. And then I watched. To mention those. I watched another Leone film called my name is nobody which i had yeah. not seen before great movie with uh with yeah 
with Terrence Hill and uh, and Peter Fonda, and uh, Terrence Hill is uh, he's one of those guys who I think is highly underrated when it comes to yeah. Western actors. Uh, the Trinity films of I thought were always were amusing. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen him in something that wasn't a Trinity film. There's a bunch of stuff on Amazon that I'm going to go back and yeah. uh, I got kind of earmarks. So I'm going to go back and try and check some of it out now. But uh, I, I really think that he was he was underrated as that as a as a Western guy. Um, yeah, that is true. Didn't get his due, but uh, but yeah. So uh, other than that, uh, that was my that was my week. Oh, actually, I want to you know because I just saw it on the, I looked on it. Forgot I saw it the other night. Um, One night in Miami, I watched, which was very very good on uh, on Amazon about um, Sam Cook, Sam Cook, Muhammad Ali. Oh. Uh, Jim Brown and uh, and Mahan and Malcolm X are all in Miami uh, for the big fight between um, Cassius Clay and um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Sixty four. Um, Malcolm X. Yeah, Malcolm X. Yeah, yeah, Malcolm it, X. Right? But I'm trying to remember the fighter that they were that Ali or he Cassius, Cassius Clay. I don't. Um, yeah, Liston? yeah, Sonny Liston. Um, yeah, so but really good. Yeah, was it is a documentary or is it a? Uh, oh no, it's a it's a, a reenactment. It's inspired by Regina King. Directly. Yeah, Regina, and she did a nice job. I mean, it, it was a play, and she opened it up nicely. And uh, it, the actors are great. They they really inhabit those guys. They're they're seems to really inhabit the, the, all those real people nicely. Oh, um, okay. But it's uh yeah supposedly it, it they they were together for that. They were supposedly together for two days, but uh, and obviously all the dialogue is is made up. But it's it's good. It's a good it's a good little film. So good actors and good script and nice direction. So definitely uh, one of those ones you should not not let slip by. Is uh, is Denzel Malcolm X? Uh, no, um, damn it. I don't know the guy's name, no. but uh, he's good actually. Good, yeah, good. As a, as a, as a all man. right, so I think we've we've suffered enough. Yeah. So, uh, Peter's guilty pleasure, the end. This is Sonny Lawson. He's just reaching the prime of life, but he's also reaching the end. I'm a big man. I'm a strong guy. You know what I mean? I can handle it. Now, just tell me, how long have I got? Let's say you got a year. Facing death, he's determined to commit suicide. That's right, baby. Even if it kills him. Well, don't be silly. I'm not going to hurt myself. What, what are you talking about? What'd you do with that gun I gave you last Christmas? To Sonny! I'm in love with the idea of killing myself. I would like to find a way of doing myself in without hurting myself. You'll be hung in a moment. Okay, here you go. Okay, say goodbye to Marlon. The End. Starring Burt Reynolds as a man who's about to die. Dom DeLuise as his committed friend. Why did you say it, dummy? Sally Field as his loving mistress. Sonny, not now. <laughs> the end. A comedy for you and your next of kin. From 1978, directed by Burt Reynolds, with a running time of 100 minutes, a man recently diagnosed with only months to live decides to try and kill himself. Hilarity ensues. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> why why the end uh i you know in 1978 when i saw it uh, the movie theaters it was like i could still see it at the archaeo coliseum in washington heights 
nice big ass screen. We were laughing our asses off on it. There's just so many moments when we first saw it that it just made like I, I hadn't seen a film like that before about death so prevalent. Like you know, in a modern day sense, somebody talking about death that they were dying, and in uh, that it was, it was just a black comedy, and it was very interesting to watch a star of that caliber at that time. You know, who we'd all known you know, from smoking the bandit and deliverance and all this stuff to suddenly be playing that kind of role. So uh, it, it, it was, you know, I know we found it pretty cool at that time. And I think the one thing that, you know, stays with you is that ending, you know, with the, uh, with the big swim, so to speak, you know, and the way that that's where the film ends and it goes out in such a, to us, that was such a great, I mean, I was, I was still, I still think about that scene and I laughed my ass off the way he, it's so he's so human at the end where he's just like makes a deal with God. And of course starts to <laughs> pull back on it with every, yeah. <laughs> with every bit that he gets closer to back to the 50, beat. 40, 10. Uh, <laughs> Nobody who, gets 50%. You're, you're the one who made me sick. Now, you know, that's, but um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those flicks where like, for some reason, whenever I catch it on TV, there's just those movies that, you know, you end up watching, like you, you, you watch the first few minutes and then you're like, yeah, all right. My ass is planted. I always, you said you end up watching the whole thing, and and I just like seeing Bert. I like seeing Dom DeLuise. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those weird films that you just I, it's it's hard to explain. You know, like there's these great cuts in the movie where where Dom DeLuise is going, you know, from normal to psycho, pulling his hair, and he, I don't know. It's it, it's tough to explain. Uh, it's one of those real tough films to to try to make somebody understand why it's. Why it's so funny? Because I when I rewatched it recently, probably about a, I think because I got the the Blu-ray came out, um, and I finally picked it up. It it wasn't as funny as I last remembered it a couple of years back. I, I remember I felt a little draggy that I remember when I maybe seen it like even ten years before. I was like, oh, that, this feels a little slower than I remember. You know, there are moments where he takes all the pills and he vomits it up, and he's like, or, or he knocks the glass over. And he's like. Oh, you know, it looks like Walt Disney threw up or something because all the yeah. colors are everywhere. I don't know. It's a tough flick to to try to get somebody who hasn't seen it in 78 to, to have any sense of uh, appreciation for, you know. Yeah, this uh, this is a film. It's funny. I thought I had seen this. And when I started watching it, I realized that I actually had not ever seen this film. Um, this was the first teaming of Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds. Right. And I think that if you hadn't seen this before and yet you were aware of the relationship between those two and had seen other films with them, you would have, you'd go in with some sort of expectation of what this is going to be. Uh, and it's not that, um, the first, I mean, it's two different films. I mean, it's basically a film up until the point where he tries to kill himself. And then it's a different movie after that. And, I much would have preferred to see more of the second part of that movie because Dom DeLuise, is is pretty much just sells absolutely every scene he's in and 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 is awesome uh that that first scene that first initial scene where he where Bert wakes up and he's Dom's just sitting in the room with him and it just goes on this basically almost like 15 minute like like comedy bit routine about this whole thing about his life and everything else and it just is absolutely brilliant that being said <laughs> Yeah, this is tough, man. Uh, that 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 the first half of the movie, that just that first scene in Norman Fell's office. He's talking about that. Is, How much is, alcohol have I got? 
just goes on an interminably long. It did go on a long time when I watched it recently. I was like, wow, that did seem like a long scene. I'm surprised he didn't cut that a little What bit. I did find I out, heard. interestingly enough, is this film was actually written as a vehicle for Woody Allen. Oh, that makes perfect sense. And it does make a lot more sense because yeah. I could definitely see Woody Allen being in that character. Oh, yeah, that hypochondriac without a doubt. Yep. Exactly. But here, regardless. So, yeah, I mean, that first half of the film until he kills him or tries to kill himself. There's so many. There's so much where it's like he's such a shithead care. Just as a, as a man, he's just such a yeah. piece. Of, he's such a piece of crap. And I think but, about it, they would never you can never get away with that. Oh. A, star, a star would never play that today. Right. A right. Piece of shit like that. I mean, it just never happened. And and he's so, you know, he's just he's you know, you have to I mean, you have to think at his core and you, I mean, you watch the movie and you're like, all right, you know, this core, you know, he likes these the majority of these people. And he, you know, yeah. it, you know, even though he's a shithead to most of them, you know, there's there's something there's something here, you know. It really only there's really only one scene that I thought that really that really works on an emotional level at all. And that's the scene with his daughter, right. with Christy McNichol. I think that's the only one that that really hits tone, hits the tone right. You know, and then we go into, you know, the scene with his parents is is probably one of the funnier ones in the film as well. When he goes to visit his parents and ask if they have any sleeping pills. Um, a funny bit about that is those two actors uh, the, who played his parents apparently appeared in a movie together in 1931. Yeah. Myrna Loy and uh, uh, Pat O'Brien. Pat O'Brien. Yeah. Yep. That's what I thought was really, which I thought was really funny. This was, uh, this was Bert's second directorial job. Okay. I think his first one is a little better, but I really what don't think he hit it. What was the first one again? Gator. Oh, it was Gator. Okay. Yep. The sequel to White Lightning. White Lightning. Yeah. Which I which I actually watched not that long ago, and I still I still love that movie. I saw that when I was a kid, and absolutely fell in love with White Lightning. You know, it's funny when when we talk about the the son of a bitch, the seventies. I mean, then you think about another Burt Reynolds film, and you think about the opening to Longest Yard, the original. Right. And I mean. You just never would see that today anywhere close to it. The way he's like, literally, like there's this domestic abuse aspect of it, and the way they talk to each other and they treat each other. This this woman and this guy in there, and it's just, and in the way he grabs her at one point and throws her down, he grabs her face, and he and you still (laughs) you're like, oh my god, this. But you still, you know, you know this guy's got a heart somewhere down there, and he plays it so well, but. uh you know, like there's just stuff in the end where you're like, you know, where like they cut to that scene where he's like, God damn son of a bitch. When he wakes up when the first time with Dom DeLuise. Yeah. You know, and he's got his head. And, uh, and when they talk about putting his head between the bed. And, right. Right. Crushing it in the, in the right, bed frame. Your head like nut, you know, and, this, so there's, and, there's, and that's what I mean. It actually becomes a, a much funnier film after, you know, after he gets, you know, thrown in the, in the, in the clink. Yeah. But uh, yeah. the, um, the, yeah, the, 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 this film is so firmly planted in its time frame of 78. Like you said oh, that, I mean, it's like the, this, the, the epithets and the, 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 the sort of like borderline racist comments that are just kind of thrown out there by habit just really show that. And it, I mean, they're, and they're not specifically played for laughs. They're just kind of there. They're just yeah, kind of part exactly. of the script. They're not part of a joke. Right. They're not, you know, what's ironic by- is, is his wife actually calls him a racist which you didn't hear a lot right. in those in those films. She actually outright blatantly uses the R word. 
when yeah. she when her when her boyfriend was that that she trophied in front of him right. that her, when her boyfriend showed up um she actually called him which which kind of shocked me you know like it's like wow they you know they, they hung a lantern on that so they were really trying to make that that point about yeah. him yeah. you know yeah but yeah this is this was uh i was i was surprised at how few laughs i got out of it especially the first half um it's so it's so out of bed it's it's very unbalanced let's put it that way like i said the 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 second half there's a lot more stuff to find that's that's good there but uh that that first half is tough to get to slog through to get get to that point i'm sorry Um, i put you through it (laughs) well it's funny i remember the scene in the tower for some reason i remember him doing that whole sequence with them i must i must have either showed that on like uh uh siskel and ebert or something that may have been the scene that they used to promote doing they did the review or whatever but um hassan what did you think of the end Uh, um (laughs) that i don't like pete tomas anymore for having me Uh, having done this for for quite a quite a few episodes, I've I have learned to separate the guests from the guest suggestions. Luckily, <laughs> so yeah, that, that was never. I never thought about you while watching it. You know, like what what kind of nonsense is it? But but the the film in and of itself is just my my problem with these kind of films is always when the comedy. It's not really the fault of the film because it's I am several. Um, several decades removed from the era, um, but when the jokes don't land, you know some of the some of the jokes just just kind of didn't land for me. Like the the doctor's office scene, as Steve said, it, it does go on quite a while, and you never get a you never get a a read on the doctor as to whether he's on his side or he's mocking him. You know, there's there's a couple of times he tries to be conciliatory by like, well. Look, there's, we've got drugs. You know, you've got plenty of drugs. The the drugs. It's like you, you almost better. think they're trying to set up something that's going to be a joke or something, come like coming down the pike. But nothing, yeah, it, nothing ever. Yeah, like it's a practical joke. Yeah, and it just. I mean, you know, he says. The other thing is, Clint Eastwood doesn't do the irony. Burt Reynolds, same guy. Um, he doesn't do. <laughs> this, this isn't Clint Eastwood. I'm just kidding. He doesn't do the irony. <laughs> It's, it's a white guy. He's the, the it's a, you know, the, the, it's a white guy. It's an iconic '80s like uh, white guy though. It's not not to be. I I wanted to be Burt Reynolds when I was a kid because of smoking and Bennett. So I mean, like I'll just say that. But um, uh, and I'm, I'm never gonna mention that again. He doesn't he doesn't do the irony credibly enough where you kind of get the the the. He just does sad. He's just uh, he's more whiny than mm-hmm. he is ironically morose or or yeah. cynical about what's going on with him yeah and you just kind of he just starts to annoy you because he's sad he's very selfish his friends are all telling him he's selfish he's racist you know in and of itself but i yeah, it was 1978 so it's okay <laughs> he's you know he's he, he they kind of depict him he's rich right he's independently wealthy so he's, he's kind of rich spoiled guy who's who's been given a, a hard luck piece of news and he just proceeds the the rest of the movie not to handle it well you know and the the scene with christy mcnichol is probably the most touching scene probably the funniest scene is with the psychiatrist who who had a heart condition and died right in front of him is yeah. that um 
And the only thing, the, the, the only joke I really laughed at is when he, when he started punching things and knocking things over and he goes, did you, do you want to punch the scale? And he goes, no. And then he kicks the scale anyway. Yes. And that, I actually laughed out loud on that. And then, you know, and I knew he was going to die. I knew as soon as he was talking about his heart, you know, yeah. like that, yeah. that was telegraphed for, you know, from far away. Um, I didn't hate it at all, but, yeah, but it did was you, hard Did you see there. that Carl Reiner's character had an Indian last name? It was Dr. Manit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just goes to show where we came from, you know, because um, some of that, some of the stuff was like, like I said, when the, when his, his ex-wife calls him out as an actual racist, and they, that let me know that this, the, the screenwriter was really trying to, to, to hammer that home, you know, and he didn't, he thought that he thought that all his racist comments were too subtle. So let's just let's yeah. just mention it directly. Let's just call it out for what it is. And back then, when it would have been subtle. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he's he you still he's still Burt Reynolds. You know, you he, right. you still kind of are hardwired to kind of be on the guy's side, no matter what he's talking about. <laughs> it's really weird. It's a strange phenomenon, but it's really it, it you know. And I didn't know that this was uh, the first meeting. You wouldn't know it uh, that this is his first pairing with Dom DeLuise. Because they get they go almost right into their shtick, and I'm, I guess they developed it here. Yeah, but know. they go right into him slapping him in the face. You know that 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 long running, yeah, in my, in my opinion, problematic gag that they've had that they they have <laughs> going on the next few movies. But that's 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 my performative wokeness. That's uh, that's yeah. that's backlashing on me. <laughs> there there is some there's some funny stuff in it there's some interesting ideas in it um i did find the fact that because he was you know that because the doctor realized that people could crush their heads in the bed that the next scene was his chaos of them removing all the beds from the from the mental (laughs) wars great which was pretty funny (laughs) yeah but i don't know it was this one was hard this was as hard. I, I I think I told Steve it was like Chinese water torture. Like the very <laughs> oh, know? that that like, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that that first that opening first the opening with the um with the with the with the credits where it was all black. You you just hear the voiceovers right, right? and just implying all all you know anal Getting probes and all kinds of weirdness. All, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is a weird opening. Yeah. And then you just so you never get a read on this guy before this. You know, you don't you don't get to watch his transfer of, you know, feeling on top and then and then being handed a dose of bad news and then slowly sliding into a rotten person and then, you know, finding his equilibrium by the end. It doesn't really have an arc like that. It's just you don't know who he is. He gets this bad news. He's already complaining as he's as he's he's going through the procedure he gets his bad diagnosis and he's he's upset about that and then he goes uh you know he he goes running to sally field which is that part was good that was those those parts oh, she, right. oh, dude there yeah but she's completely wasted in this movie i mean she's she is she could have been she anybody is. in this movie i mean you know the fact that she's in it is simply because she was dating him at the time is really yeah, the only reason but, she's in this flick um but, but yeah, it didn't she's, that, she's good. that didn't bother yeah, that me. moment yeah no, I lo- I love Sally Field from from this time yeah. period. She's she's she is a uh when she enters the, she's a breath of fresh air whenever she's on screen. Yeah. But it's right. you know, 
and yeah, he's he's that. a jerk to her. He goes home. Right. He's not really he's not really rude or uh, off with his parents too much. Um, but his, and his parents are like you know the typical neglectful. We don't real. But even that scene with his mother, where he, he kisses his mother a second time, yeah, and she yep. now then she knows something is wrong. Right? There's so there's a lot of subtle goodness in it. Yep. But it just doesn't it just doesn't want to go anywhere with any of that stuff, in my opinion. So right. Eh, yeah. <laughs> and that's all I'm gonna say about it. Like, <laughs> what do you got? Oh <laughs> <laughs> that's all, folks. <laughs> I haven't been angered by a movie in a while. <laughs> I I for the first 45 minutes of this movie, I, I, I kept getting angrier. I, 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 I liked nothing about it. I, I hated Burt Reynolds. I, I, I didn't laugh once. The scene with his daughter, I just kept like clenching my there's a There's a gratuitous shot thrown in there of him looking down Sally Field's outfit. Might be my and last meal. Like, yeah, what? Yeah. yeah, I'm just. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh. And then, a sh- and then a quick shot of the cat. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. I, and then I thought, okay, whatever. But I knew about their relationship, and it just felt like it felt like he was this. He was angry about something with movie studios, and he was going to do everything he could to piss everybody off quickly in the first 45 minutes of this movie i'm going to put this gratuitous shot in i'm going to make this racist statement here i'm going to say this sexist statement here i'm going to make fun of death here and it's just i i i couldn't i couldn't get into it and i hated looking at him i hated looking at him i want to smash his fucking head that's how I felt watching this movie. Okay, that's good. That's good to get some real feeling into watching a flick. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and then then I was aware of the fact that how it was affecting me. Then that made me matter. That I was <laughs> angry. That's awesome. I, I made you. You're not ambivalent. You were like engaged, <laughs> right? And then and then we get to the mental hospital, and then it becomes more like a sitcom like Barney Miller or fish or soap with all the same players that they like to use. And, Oh, that scene with the priest. Oh, oh wh- wh- Robbie oh Benson. God. Oh yeah. my God. I just wanted to put my fucking foot through the TV and I, you know, yeah, I, you I know, it, about that scene. like there was some direction after it went further on down, but I wrote, I wrote down, I wrote, I wrote like I was watching a road movie without a road. Like he was just <laughs> jumping from point to point on this, you know, trying to be poignant about death, you know, story. And it just, it just never made me laugh. The first line that made me laugh was the Disney threw up line. That was funny. I was like, okay, thank goodness. There's one funny thing in this fucking movie. And I laughed out loud at that. And then, you know, Dom DeLuise, I know he's talented, but you know what? He's also kind of annoying. And I don't I don't like watching him trying to be funny and switching between characters. And oh man, it just, you know, it got a little better after they la- broke out of there and then 
the beach scene at the end and but oh man dude I, I I was the opposite of Steve. I thought I had never seen it. And then after I watched it, I looked in my movie guide and I had seen it at some point. And wow. I was surprised. Wow. Uh, I didn't give it a great rating, but I gave it a better rating than I felt like giving it when I watched it. Well, maybe and then I was why because you probably didn't have as much baggage. Like, you know, when I saw it, it wasn't like the first time with Don DeLuise. It was these firsts, you know, so it wasn't like you were like already down that sort of silly road with those guys before. And then you're like watching this and you're like, Oh God, what is this regurgitated nonsense? That, that's probably, that's probably true. I probably saw it mid eighties had to be around that time. What, when did, I was what did you in give it team. originally? Uh, two and a half. And what would and, you give it, and what would you give it today? Minus two. I mean, and a half. No, I, I, mean I, I give it, I give it close to that. I'd give it two and a fourth or two and a half. But by the time it was like, like once you get to the mental hospital, things seem a little bit uh, more thought out and there's better. uh, I I don't know. Yeah. And it's, I I don't know. I mean, I mean, once you get, once you get there, it kind of lets up on the, it it, it lets up on the, theological or the 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 thematic uh uh, themes that it's trying to you know it's trying to play with and it just goes into kind of slapstick it gets cartoonish at that point and you're you're i guess at that point you're more you more allow for that you're like okay that's i get that i get that you know okay he wants to die he's in the mental hospital this guy the psychopath he's making a deal with a psychopath and you know and then there's all the 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 harebrained you know gimmicks that go wrong and him trying to fulfill the you know the his death wish when you're younger because i could see watching this movie maybe 10 years ago and just being like you know not under not really uh feeling anything about some of the disturbing aspects of it um i think i think part of my dislike of the film is a product of the now times where we we're where I do criticize the times that we're in now that we're a little overcritical about the information that we're being given that we're digesting. And then, you know, we're, we're over, we're oversensitive to themes and, you know, and things like sexism and racism and, and that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't condone those things by any stretch of the imagination, even though we try to, to be above where we are now. And we talk about like, look, you know, like, especially with things like comedy, where we're saying like everybody is a little, you know, uh, like you know the, the cancel culture and all that stuff is is you know it's really bad, and we all try to be a couple of generations above it, and you know like the, the millennials are crazy; they cancel anybody. Uh, I don't, you know, I think it's, I think the times we're living in now has had an indelible effect on how we we tend to digest yeah, this kind of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, about, and, say the, the subject alone, you know, suicide handled in a comedic way. And I mean, like, it would have been like, how dare you? Letters would have been written. The studio right. would have been protested. And how dare you put out a film with a movie star and making fun of suicide? You know what? You know what I mean? Forget it. It would have been like never. Yeah, it would never have been. been it would have been a bloodbath. It You're absolutely. It would have, it would have, it would have no been way. one of those films. I'm sorry, Latham. You. You dropped I out. said there's no you, way you're releasing that this film today 
But there's others exam other examples of that too, where someone takes on a taboo subject, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, someone taking the chance and releasing it. But the thing that sucks is when they don't do a very good job right. with the product, and then you're like, oh, that was a good idea to tackle that subject, except you sucked at it. Right. You yeah. done <laughs> but, it, but right. But the funny thing is, and I I don't know. I mean, I'm. I, I but I think today the problem with it is you couldn't even let's say if you. Like if you do a suicide thing, you're not doing a suicide film with any kind of humor in it. It's a it, it's really very factual and based on a lot of research and talking to people. You know what I mean? It, it's it's going to be no heathers. That's for sure. Right, right. It's going to be dramatic, and it's not going to be something where it's going to be made fun of and you know taken so. With release heathers. No way. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're like maybe Taiko Taiko Waititi, who can do like a Nazi movie. And still, make, yeah, I mean, if you if you're yeah, yeah that's, that's really a Nazi good idea. As long as they lose in the end, I mean, you know. But I'm saying, but like, if you if yeah. you, you have to no, have like a, a really good idea because, like, imagine if if they rewrote that script and made it better, <laughs> I could definitely see him taking something that kind of that subject and making that's a, such a good that would be interesting to see. Yeah, because he's got that leeway because he managed to pull it off. He took a chance with his first forays into that, into like kind of risque taboo stuff. And he's got a he's he's got a very strong liberal bend on things. So he it come a lot of it comes off as satire, but right. he gets the benefit of the doubt that he's being satirical mm-hmm. and that, you know, and he's being it, it you know, that he's just being tongue in cheek about this stuff. I think that this film just comes off a little too direct you know there's no there's no tongue-in-cheek aspect there's no there's no subterfuge about it it's just like we're just making fun of this guy this guy's gonna whine through this entire film and then he's and then he's gonna want to commit suicide and he's gonna fail and he's gonna do you know he's gonna leave a whole bunch of human wreckage behind him with all these relationships that he trashes along the way and it's just i guess with the sensibilities of the day it's kind of hard to see for the first time i think if i'd seen this like caveman one of my favorite movies when I was a kid with Ringo Starr. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't. I mean, if I watched it today, it would not. It would not hold a candle to how much affection I had for it back then. But I would still kind of like it. I would be like, yeah, this movie is very problematic and it's terrible. But I, I still remember who I was when I first sure. saw this film and I liked it. Like 1941, I showed 1941 to a friend of mine uh, who had never seen it before. The Steven Spielberg comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's a terrible comedy. It's like a terrible film. It's not really funny. There's a lot of racist humor in it, a lot of, you know. And so my friend was appalled. He was offended by it. And I, just, I, was, I was giggling my head off because I just remember being a kid watching John Belushi. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. It's just, you, you know, I, it's, this movie definitely is a product of its era. And you yeah. got to be from the era to appreciate it. I uh but I appreciate the experience. Thank you very much. Oh my <laughs> Thank you. The uh <laughs> the yeah, the guy who wrote it, Jerry Belson, is yeah. listed on IMDb as an uncredited writer on Close Encounters of all things. Uh Ooh. and ac- and like actually the movie or the or the TV show. Uh, the movie. Uh and he but would actually you... eventually go on to write the oh, sorry. He would write the adapted screenplay for Spielberg's Always which was based on Dalton Trumbo's A Guy Named Joe screenplay and then off of the original source material. 
So ironically, I love always. Yeah, I do. I hated that when I first saw it. And you may still, you may still hate it, but I uh, I do have to. I only saw it once. That's you know, I'm glad you. I gotta watch. That's the one thing in the Spielberg library that really never, I never connected to. I've got to watch that again. And uh, he, I mean, this guy, this guy would eventually go on to write uh, Smokey and the Bandit two. Uh, he wrote a lot of 60s and 70s slapstick. Smokey uh, Easter Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he wrote the uh, the original Fun with Dick and Jane script as well. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, which that I, which uh, that's, a, that's a funny flick. And uh, you know Jane Fonda. That's right. And uh, and uh, and, the, and the little uh, the little side bit, uh, James Best as the pacemaker patient at the phone. Uh, oh, Roscoe right. P. Coltrane. Oh, Yes, yes. Uh, so Bert actually hired him to rewrite the script on on set to make his to give his character more depth. <laughs> oh, which which is he in, kills that guy. Which is which is you, in yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> gave 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 him a part as well, but yes, he uh, yeah. So, which I find he interesting that, James, that, that, guy. that James Best was a was a writer for hire. Uh, at the same time as you know, doing his acting stuff, you know, I mean, he has he has over he has a hundred and over a hundred and oh, some yeah, acting yeah. credits, but they were all like the Dukes of Hazard ones were some of his last. Yeah, it's funny. Like all he has like maybe fifteen or twenty he after the Dukes of Hazard stuff. But yeah, he was a big time TV actor. Yeah, he was a young man in the Billy Joel movie, right? Billy Joe. Jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge or whatever from that song, and they oh, made a movie out right. of it. Right, and he was he was in that movie as a young man. You know, I, I was very surprised to see him. So that is the end. Even though it's not really the end, is it, Lathan? Yeah. Uh, that's it's the end of the end. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not the end because we still got to go down the tubes. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's it's a series of tubes. And then, uh, so we go to posters for the end. Uh, So so this teaser poster. uh, I'm not even what exactly sure what you'd be thinking uh, when you when you when you saw this uh, up at your local theater, but uh, I, I I don't know what you'd. They weren't. They weren't trying to pull in the thirteen-year-olds. Let's put it that way. No, <laughs> no, and you know, especially not with Gahan Wilson. They were making movies for adults back then, or at least they, you know. Yes, that is you know, at least something to see, something like that. You realize, oh, okay. Yeah, and I find it interesting. So next in the USA poster, that all the all the post all the posters feature Bert with just a mustache. <laughs> And yet he has a mustache and oh, beard. Wow. So by the time they got around to doing the photos for the for the marketing for this film, uh, he clearly had gotten rid of the beard. Yeah. <laughs> and they probably didn't want to pay an artist to paint a beard on him. So, And they would not today. I, I doubt they'd have anybody putting a gun. No, no, I don't think you'd get away with that one. No. Jesus. <laughs> It'll uh, blow your mind, though. But um, bum. <laughs> Uh, so, so next USB is a, uh, another one that would not go over well. (laughs) 
Oh my Movie God. kept reminding me of how great Harold and Maude was. Oh, I kept yeah. thinking, oh, that's a great movie. This movie sucked. <laughs> uh, so USC is another is a what they the third uh, the third one that they had available. Brutal. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, look at that. The story of semi-suicide. I mean, you just, my God, it's amazing. No it's, one's even trying here. It's like... Are laughs before death? Are there, excuse me, are there laughs before death? Or yeah. Semi-suicide. Okay. Like, he got all his buddies together and said, and just had these half ideas, and they're all like, okay, no, Bert, that's, whatever. That's well, don't forget, that's the rest of Bert's career, basically, except for every... Yeah, summer. right? Never shark Yeah. Every shark so a, a good flick, and, you know, sort of make its way. Like Sharky's Sharky's machine. Sharky's machine. That's a good uh, Sharky's machine's a good move. That's his third that's his third directing feature. Yeah, he, that's a really good that's a, such a great B movie. Yep. Uh yeah. so next the French poster. Uh Suicide, you know, kill me, doctor, I guess. Yeah. I'm killing myself, doctor. Zilf moored me, doctor. The fuck? Uh, wow. Those are the those are the days, man. I love <laughs> uh, it. Just keeps on. doubling down on its own, you know, on its tone deafness. Yes. You know, it just ah, and then it. and then finally, <laughs> then finally, the the German poster where we rename the movie. Nobody is perfect. <laughs> Oh wow! It's moment of self awareness. <laughs> That's it. The nobody is perfect is an apology for the film you're about to see. Like, come on, guys, we're sorry. We're just sorry. No one's perfect. Like nobody is perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a funny one next time. We promise. Yeah. We nobody know. is perfect. And then in parentheses, the end. <laughs> Most mean, people were probably unhappy about the fact that the movie starts with the end, and it doesn't. Right. <laughs> uh, hey, what are we bitching about? We were paying a buck fifty to get in or something, right? <laughs> if that, or sneaking in in the back doors. <laughs> That's right. Or had a buddy that worked there and would uh, get you into it for nothing. Yeah. Oh uh, God. Well, thanks, Peter. Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us, and uh, thanks for coming on and, and talking about movies and. Uh, if you yeah. uh, if you want to get some time down the line, beautiful, wonderful. We'd love to have you back. All right, thanks, yeah, Peter. Nice, nice meeting you guys. Yeah. So, all right, buddy. Good all talking right. to you. I'm thanks gonna go again. Walk, I'm gonna go walk Tucker, and we're out. Beautiful. Thanks, pal. <laughs> thanks, Talk Peter. to you soon. Good night, everybody. Stay Peter. safe. Thank you. Thanks. Same to you. Thanks to Fesleyan Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss in our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download, subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, Peter Tomasi, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. As always, in the words of our friend and man with no name, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Thank <laughs> you.